Hey guys, it's Ananya and welcome back to the Desi Reality. I am so, so excited for today's episode, guys. We have such a such special guest and I'm so excited for you guys to listen in and listen to her talk. So I'm going to let her introduce you, herself to you guys. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and share a bit more about my journey, um, about my culture, and just how all of it clashes and has come together um, over the past many years from when I was a little girl all the way until now. Um, my name is Shweta Shreeder. I am a business associate at Visa, so I work in tech. I'm also a digital lifestyle content creator, and I'm also a career coach located in San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I'm extremely passionate about many different causes, such as the empowerment of underrepresented minority women in the corporate and tech space. I am a huge advocate for mental health, um, specifically self-care and self-love, as I've dealt with my own struggles and own journey in that specific space. And I also just love helping, mentoring, and coaching people. Um, I owe my success and where I am today to the mentors and people who have volunteered their time um, to help me throughout my journey. So I'm always happy to give back to my community. Um, I guess some fun facts about me. I grew up doing Indian classical dance, um, Bharatanatyam. I am South Indian, um, and um, it's something that's a huge passion of mine. It's something I'm trying to get back into. Mm-hmm. I also love traveling, which is obviously difficult during the pandemic, but I have been to over 22 countries, and I hope to go to more. Um, I'm a huge traveler, and last but not least, I'm a huge foodie. I love food. Um, I specifically love boba, which I guess is not a food, more a drink. Um, and I actually have a boba Instagram account, which I started for fun, <laughs> called at the boba dot b.boba.boss. Um, and I love trying different boba drinks. So it's just a fun thing that, um, I do to keep me sane. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit about me and I'm happy to chat more about myself throughout this episode and be here today. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you. This is so fun. We're so similar. The only thing is that I've never had boba, so don't kill me. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's because of where I live, too. I think in the Bay Area, um, there is just, like, a huge Asian population. And Mm -hmm. I think that, like, even in, like, 2005 or 2004, I was telling someone, Mm -hmm. was, like, the first time I had boba, which is a long time ago. I feel like Mm -hmm. at that point, like, boba was not very common. Mm -hmm. Now it's, like, becoming so common. I've heard um, people spill the tea. I don't know if this is true, but I've heard that there are brands like Starbucks that are thinking about releasing boba drinks. And so Mm -hmm. it's becoming so commercialized and it just started off as like something that was like very specific to like um like Asian immigrants or like the Asian population so Mm -hmm. yeah but no no hey I love coffee (laughs) I love many other kinds of drinks and food so (laughs) I think we'll get along (laughs) (laughs) all right great and also I'm a Gothic dancer so you know there's a little opposite but you know we we know each other (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no that's that's so exciting um so I guess we should just kind of jump right into the questions. I'm so excited to know more about you. Uh, Sure, yeah. Yeah, so as, just as a content creator, first of all, you balance so much, which is, it's it's insane, and it's it's crazy, but as a content creator specifically, how has being South Asian affected your journey to pursuing your projects and your goals? Yeah, absolutely. I have so much to talk about when it comes to this question. I could probably spend uh, 24 hours just talking about this question. Um, You know, not going to lie, when I first got into the content creation space, it was very hard. I mean, it's still hard till today, but it was very hard from the perspective of getting the support of my family and Mm -hmm. um, my friends, especially as an immigrant and as a South Asian. Um, I remember telling my parents that I wanted to work on a certain campaign when I was like a freshman in college and I wanted to pursue an internship for a beauty blogger. And they were like, that's not even a real internship. Like you, like they're going to pay you. And they were like very confused. They're like, how does this tie into your major? And how is this going to bring you job stability and job security? And they were very confused about it. They were like, if you have extra time, maybe you can do it for fun. But I was like, no, this is an actual internship. This is actually something I'm passionate about pursuing. And I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but um, I graduated from the University of Texas at Austin a few years ago. I was a marketing and economics major, and I minored in MIS. And a lot of people are like, what's MIS? It's management information systems. It's a very technical major. But the reason I 
even started off considering that minor is because my parents were like, yeah, marketing isn't really a legitimate major. Um, and there was a huge stereotype against marketing students at the university as like, oh, marketing means you probably go and knock on door to door and get sales or you are you just advertise things and like dress up pretty and that's all you do. And that is such a, a false misconception about marketing and advertising. But my passion for content creation just started off with me declaring my major. So when I was a marketing major, I was involved in a lot of different organizations on campus. I was president of the American Marketing Association, mm-hmm. which was the marketing organi- student organization. Um, I pursued a lot of marketing internships throughout college. So I interned at brands like Uber, PayPal, VMware. Um, I also interned for um, beauty influencers and creatives and also um just pursued my passion for writing, which is always something I've enjoyed. And that was something that I just actively pursued. When I became a junior, I started to realize that from a career perspective, I Mm -hmm. did enjoy data and I did Mm -hmm. enjoy data manipulation and data analytics. I wanted a career that had a balance of creative and Mm -hmm. analytical work, if that makes sense. And I knew that I wanted to work in the tech industry. I mean, I'm from the Silicon Valley. Both my parents are in tech. A lot of my friends are in tech. Like it just made sense for me to be in tech. And I also just have a fascination of for payments and the fintech industry, which is, you know, where I work at, I work at Visa. Um, But despite working in tech and despite working in an analytics role, I wanted to be doing something that was creative. And so me being um, South Asian has affected my content creation journey because I think representation is such an important thing. And it's something that I really go out of my way to highlight when I work with any company. So content creation is something that I do part-time on top of my full-time job. And I absolutely love it because it's my outlet to be creative. It's my outlet to work with all these fun brands, to dress up, to, you know, write for them, to do strategy work for them, to bring a different perspective as a woman of color, um, as an early career professional. Like I think a lot of people who work with brands are generally older than I am. Mm -hmm. So I think being South Asian has made me, um, as a content creator has made me respect my culture more, has made me be more vocal. Um, you know, even people mispronouncing my name when I work with them, like I, probably even a year ago or two years ago, wouldn't have said anything. Like I would have let people call me Sweeta or Sweta, but my name is Shweta. (laughs) And now like when I'm in a room filled with, um, you know, when I'm the only minority woman, um, in a room, woman, Mm -hmm. minority, you know, whatever the case may be, person of color, um, I make it a point to make sure that they get my pronouns correct, that they, um, you know, reference me in the right way. And so I think that has made me more ambitious and eager to pursue content creation because I want to make a difference in all of the industries and brands that I work with. So yeah, that's just a a very quick summary of my answer, but I'm happy to answer any other questions about this. Absolutely. That's, first of all, that's amazing. I I think at, at such a young age, I feel like I myself too, you know, at one point just used to laugh you know, because like people are mispronouncing my name. Okay, we all know the substitute's going to mispronounce my name. It's just my name. Like, that's how it works. Um, I think I, I, I think the times that we've been through as well recently, especially with the increasing amount of voices being raised for inclusion of people of color, um, has really just helped a lot of the representation be more accepted and more representation be critiqued, lack of representation be critiqued in a lot of brands, which I think inherently will be success- like something successful for brands in the future when they're being inclusive. And I think that's a great step. And I I genuinely grew up with like barely any South Asian creators to look up to. I think I had Lily Singh and and uh, Safiya Nygaard from Buzz- BuzzFeed. She was half Indian um, and that's it. <laughs> and I feel like now there's so many people around me, especially with this podcast and people like you. So mm-hmm. thank you. That, that does help a lot of people. And as someone who's younger, I, I think that helps me too. Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, it's awesome to see what you're doing. Um, My brother is a university student and he's involved in some organizations that are promoting South Asian culture, especially in industries or area where there isn't a huge South Asian population. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's really great that this next generation is more like, quote unquote, woke or aware, Mm -hmm. um, because I think that if it wasn't the case, it'd be really worrisome and it would be really hard to, you know, like truly impact all of these industries and brands and um, ways of thinking. Cause at the end of the day, like there's things that we sometimes, you know, we're, we're unconsciously um, 
discriminatory, right? Against yeah. women, against South Asians. Yeah. And we don't even realize that. I feel like South Asian people sometimes put other South Asian people down. And that's a whole other oh, topic. That's but, a whole other podcast. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, a huge part of being a content creator and a South Asian content creator is mm-hmm. lifting other South Asians and um, people of color content creators um, as well. So that's been a really great experience to meet other friends and people who have like-minded goals in the space. I love that. That's amazing. (laughs) All right. So kind of moving on to our next question. Obviously, you know, you are very successful right now, and I'm sure you have a lot of aspirations for the future. Um, But what is something you wish you could have told yourself in the past? Yeah, it's a really good question. I was actually um, thinking about this the other day when I went to like decided to randomly go to the beach by myself because I've been doing like solo dates and just like doing things to like unplug yeah and people are like you're crazy like why would you do that but if there's one thing I could tell myself from the past it would be to not care so much about what other people think um to be very honest when I started to gain traction on my social media platforms right when I started to um, just gain more awareness or quote unquote popularity. Mm -hmm. I had some people like not look at me the same way. I had, I lost friends. I lost respect from people. There were some people who became friends with me, but I don't know, like quote unquote friends, but I don't know if they genuinely wanted to be friends with me or if they wanted to be friends with me because I had the status or I have these number of likes or number of followers. Right. So I think I really cared what people thought. Like if someone two years ago or three years ago was like, Hey, I don't really like that post, like a friend or something. I would have taken it down. Or Mm -hmm. if someone said like, Oh, I don't really think you should, um, you know, write about X, Y, and Z for your blog post, or I don't really think you should, you know, be doing this or be doing that. Like even the smallest things, I would have just taken everything everyone said to me so personally and in my heart. And it really affected me. Yeah. And of course, you know, naturally we all care about what our close family, friends, loved ones think about, like, obviously we should, there are support system, hopefully. Um, but I think not letting society as a whole, like dictate where you're going to go and what you're going to do. I think it's important because growing up, um, for example, I got bullied a lot in middle school and high school. And some of those same people who bullied me, who made fun of me, who like made me insecure about my body image and stuff Mm -hmm. are the people who are now commenting on my pictures and following me and being like oh my god we should grab coffee and I'm like you know as much as I would love to do that and as much as I you know I do respect them and I'm sure they were going through a lot too like who knows like I you know still believe in being kind to everyone it really makes me think like what is their true purpose for wanting to connect with me so to summarize my answer I would say the one thing I would tell myself whether it was in college or before, or even like yesterday, is um, just to not care so much about, not take to heart so much about what society thinks of you and to kind of shape your own vision and dreams and like pave your path by yourself, like for yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I I legitimately could not agree more. I was thinking about this the other day, exactly the same exact thoughts. I think starting this podcast and a lot of other things I've done in my life recently have been from this strange drive I've gotten which just kind of takes me out of the idea of you know what will people think you know uh and I've never really thought about that in some perspectives as a child but in other ways I would always have something in my heart that was like but what if they say this it's okay I have to do it but they're gonna say this and I don't like that at the end of the day if you're doing something that makes you happy makes you confident as long as you're not hurting anyone or as long as you're not being disrespectful towards anyone, I genuinely think it's okay to pursue. Um, And I feel like you know what's best for you. And a lot of people will just try to put you down as much as as much as it sucks to hear. I mean, not everyone's looking out for you. And I think I learned I've learned that the hard way as well. So that's definitely something I hope I can keep in my mind as I grow older. And obviously, yeah, it's gonna be worse as we grow older. So yeah, It's true. It's true. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Yeah. So moving on to our next question, what is one thing about South Asian culture that has actually helped you succeed as a content creator? Yeah, I love this question. This is amazing because I feel like a lot of times 
we tend to nitpick and, you know, pinpoint things that we don't like about our culture or like what brings us down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure my answer might not be specific to South Asian culture. Like it might apply to other cultures as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it probably does. But I think one thing that's really helped me succeed is how colorful and vibrant and like rich South Asian culture is like growing up watching Bollywood movies or just doing Indian classical dance mm-hmm. or just you know, shopping in India with my grandparents or just, for example, like using um, certain ingredients and like skincare things growing up that are now so commercialized. And everyone's like, oh my God, like golden milk lattes or like turmeric and like, it's like no, that was my party um, mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there's certain ingredients that are just so like people are like now discovering them. And I'm like, you know, my great grandma discovered them like <laughs> two decades not two decades, like longer. Um, what am I saying? Like five decades, 10 decades ago. Right. So the point I'm trying to make is I think that there's so much about South Asian culture. That's so beautiful. And I, growing up, I did not value it. And now as a content creator, as, um, I reflect on my identity more, I start to value it a lot more. So for example, when I do photo shoots with brands, for instance, they give me a lot of creative freedom as to what I want to wear, right? They give me a lot of freedom and I could wear, you know, jeans and a top and like, that's fine. That would look cute. But I've been trying to incorporate parts of my culture because I think South Asian culture is so beautiful from the detail in the fabric to the jewelry to like just cajol, right? Like, yeah. like every, like even the smallest things, like I think make it so colorful and so pretty. And I really emphasize that more than an influencer, because I don't know if you know the difference between an influencer and a content creator, but I consider myself to be a content creator more than an influencer because yes, I influence people, but I think I love creating things from scratch. I love coming up with creative concepts and ideas and just like getting inspiration from movies and books. And a huge part of where I get my inspiration from is my culture is, is, is from the movies and the media, but also like just stories and like religious um, aspects of my cultural identity, like different things, Yeah, you know, things like yoga and meditation that, you know, originate from South Asian culture are now very commercialized. But, um, my dad is actually a yoga instructor and, um, I grew up like doing it. Right. And I, Uh in the, in the, when I was younger, I was like, this is so uncool. This is so lame. It's so weird to have a dad who does this. And now people are like, wow, that's like so cool. Right. So yeah, to answer your question, I would say, it's the, it's the color, it's the vibrance, it's the energy. Um, and it's just how rich South Asian culture is, um, is what's like really helped me succeed because regardless of whether I'm doing something professional now, right. Like career wise, if I'm working in tech Mm -hmm. or whether I'm working on something creative as a lifestyle blogger and content creator, I feel like I'm able to bring in elements of the different colors of the different foods, like no matter what it is, the flavors, um, the scents. Right. Um, and that's been really helped me succeed and also just like helped me value my culture more and made me realize that like, not only for myself, but for my kids and many more generations to come, I really do want to make an effort to bring in my culture. Like growing up, for instance, I never spoke my mother tongue. I never spoke, um, my South Asian like language that we speak at at home. And I've been actively trying to in the past two years, um, which is ironic because as I've grown my engagement and, and become a quote unquote micro influencer, I feel like I've wanted to be more connected with my culture, right. Mm -hmm. To make more of a, um, statement that like, Hey, I am South Asian and, um, I do speak my language and I do all these things because I genuinely love it. And this is who I am. Right. So it's, 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 I know it's a constant struggle for people because I was born and raised, um, here in the U S in California. So I do consider myself American, but I also like have South Asian roots that I'm like very strongly, um, like embracing through my content. Absolutely. And I, I love, I love that you're growing and like constantly growing because that's something that I feel like all of us are. We're just works. We're, we're all a work in progress. Right. So it's just, it's great to see that progression. And I honestly think that not only me, but a lot of people will appreciate that. And so thank you. Thank you for doing that. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Happy to. (laughs) Um, so kind of going into the opposite realm of things. So we kind of talked about one thing that really helped you succeed as a content creator, but 
What has been one of the biggest challenges when hustling across multiple areas? Do you have a spe specific niche or how do you, how do you cope with that? Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges when hustling across multiple areas is really figuring out like what impact are you going to have in any of those areas, right? Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we're all human. We all have 24 hours in a day. We all um, should get a certain amount of sleep, um, you know, should take care of our health and, you know, have personal commitments and other things going on. Mm -hmm. And so as much as I, I do spend a lot of time in all of these different areas, I definitely think that the hardest thing has been being able to uh, really figure out, like, am I really making a difference for this brand? Am I really making a huge impact in the long term? Um, and when it comes to my specific niche, yes, I would say there's like really three areas that I focus on. Mm -hmm. One is career development. So professional development. I have helped many people you know, get into law schools and med schools by like editing applications, for example, like resume building, LinkedIn strategies, how to pivot your career. I've talked to, I've helped people and mentored people who have been working at a certain industry for like 20 years and then they are trying to change their job. And it's crazy because these wow. people are way older than me and have way more experience than me, but I'm mentoring them. And I just mm -hmm. learned a lot through like uh, courses that I've taken, certifications, mm -hmm. workshops, conferences, and just like talking to people. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of crazy how much I've learned in, in, you know, the few years of experience I've had compared to people who have had like decades of experience working full time. Um, but I would say the first niche is career. The second niche I would say is beauty slash fashion. The reason I say beauty and fashion is because I think it's really hard to exclude them, right? Like, I, um, you know, when I post content, for example, I definitely take a lot of time and effort to think about the style of what I'm wearing. Um, I literally handpick pieces when I work with brands. Um, I've like tailored my own pieces. Like my mom has a sewing machine wow. at home and I've been using that. Like I've been shopping at thrift shops for certain like outfits. Um, I've been looking at like different types of collections and I've been really trying to get out of my comfort zone with fashion because I've dressed a certain way like my entire life. And mm -hmm. um, now I'm like trying to embrace different kinds of cultures and like try different styles and just be more comfortable with my body and who I am. So I would say fashion, but also with that whole body image and like look, I think beauty comes with that too. Like mm -hmm. I have always loved skincare, beauty. I get a lot of comments about like, oh my God, like you wear a lot of makeup, but how's your skin so good? And Obviously, there is genetics is a huge part of it, frankly, but I think more than that, like I have my routine and I have honestly before skincare, like AM and PM routines were a thing. Like, I feel like I was doing it before then. Like I was doing my skincare routine in like sixth grade and like fourth grade. Like oh. I remember like taking my mom's like Aveeno face wash and using it. And of course she was not happy about it, but I love routines in general. Like I'm mm -hmm. a very type A organized, like me like methodical person. Um, mm -hmm. I love, I'm like a process oriented person. So if it's like put your toner, then your cleanser, right? Like all of those things, like that was in my head like years ago. So mm -hmm. it's just like second nature to me now. And mm -hmm. I love brands that support um, veganism, cruelty-free, um, you know, like natural. I think that's definitely in now. But again, like I was using a lot of natural products from the beginning. Um, and I think consistency is important. So yeah, I would say beauty and skincare are like one bucket that I kind of pair together because I don't really separate them um, or say I, I focus on one over the other. Mm -hmm. The third category I would say is lifestyle. And I know lifestyle, some people don't consider lifestyle a niche, but I think when it comes to lifestyle, um, everything from like, you know, how to not get burnt out when you're balancing things to how to have a good, how to love yourself, right? How to um, reinforce positive affirmations, like all of these different things, um, how to, you know, like make sure that you are getting enough sleep while managing X, Y, and Z, or how to like make a work trip into a like fun, like just leisure trip as well. Right. Like literally the most randomest things that I think have been crucial components of my life. I bucket into lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I've had like vacuum brands reach out to me and like linen brands, like bed sheet brands, like random brands. Mm -hmm. Obviously I do not partner with any and every brand that comes to me and I don't partner with every industry, but I think anything that can help me add value to my mission and my vision in the lifestyle category I'm willing to partner with. So, um, you know, for instance, 
I went through a huge like weight loss journey. Um, since I graduated college a few years ago to now I've lost over 30 pounds. And that was something that I wanted to be more vocal about on social media. And I consider that kind of the lifestyle category. I am not a fitness expert. I'm not a fitness coach, but it's something that's part of my lifestyle. And I didn't do anything crazy to lose that weight and stuff. And I don't think being beautiful is defined by your weight. So I'm not saying you have to lose 30 pounds to be beautiful, but I needed to for health reasons. And there were things that I consistently did, like very simple things like drinking more water, which, or like portion controlling or just like switching small alternatives. And like, it just made such a big difference. So I consider those to be like lifestyle topics. So yeah, to answer your question, I would say my three specific niches are career, fashion slash beauty, and then lifestyle. Um, and yeah, the biggest challenge has just been narrowing down on one of them. Sometimes it is important to try to be as specific as possible. And the other challenge, as I mentioned, is trying to make an impact because at the end of the day, I'm one human. It's really hard for me to touch every single fashion and beauty topic and also touch on food and also touch on travel and also touch on career, right? Like Sometimes I feel like I have 10 niches. Mm -hmm. So that's still something I'm working on. Um, And thankfully, I have a wonderful community and audience who has expressed interest in hearing from me about certain topics and has been more enthusiastic. And so I plan to like focus on those areas in the coming years. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm I'm so glad that, you know, you have so many interests, which kind of reminds, you know, me myself because I'm like that yeah too. Um, and it becomes hard I, I get it because then you have so many different specific groupings and it's it just kind of hard to you know spread yourself all the way around and make sure you're putting 100% of your effort into everything but I think you know the fact that you're identifying that and you're trying your best I think that's amazing and I think that's very admirable so like a round of applause to you because I, I feel like I could not right now in my life. I could not handle so much. And I'm not, I don't even have a full-time job, let alone a job. <laughs> so. Yeah, I will say, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I just remember being in college and I was in all these orgs and I was like, oh my God, I have to have a leadership position. I need to get an internship and like, I don't have a job and my GPA is bad. And like, I can only imagine during COVID, for example, like it's way, it's, it's a much harder situation for university students in general, Mm -hmm. but it's crazy because even at that time, I didn't realize how much I had. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is in moments of like stress or burnout or in moments that have been challenging, the way that I get through those moments is by reminding myself how thankful I am. Like even now Mm -hmm. there are so many goals that I have. Like you might think like from your perspective, you might think I'm successful and I'm not saying I don't think I am, but I don't, I think I can be way more successful than I am. Right. Like, do you know what I'm trying to say? So I'm sure like there are, you know, our little girls out there who are looking at you and they're like, damn, this girl has a podcast and she dances and she does all this stuff. Right. So (laughs) it's really funny because I think the way we perceive ourselves is also very different from the way others perceive us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You're, you're a hundred percent right. I could not, I could not agree more. That's, I feel like we're so self-critical, you know, so that's definitely that something that will continue, but hopefully we can all work on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested on knowing, you know, how you came to this place. When did you realize you wanted to specifically pursue a career in content creation and business? Yeah. So as I mentioned before, my main um, eight to five full-time role is I work in product strategy at Visa. Um, so I work in the tech space. Um, that was something I was pretty set on. I would say halfway into college when I realized I loved tech, I loved the payments industry. Mm -hmm. I pursued an internship at PayPal before visa and, um, kind of a similar industry. So I knew that that was what I liked. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as content creation, honestly, it's kind of crazy because I never in a million years thought I would be doing this. And I'm going to be very honest. When I was in college, even before college, I made fun of a lot of influencers and content creators. Like, I don't know if you've seen those Reddit channels or those people who troll, but I I was like, oh my God, ha ha ha. Like you think you're an influencer because you just dress up and walk around and take pictures. And like, I was one of those people who like would make fun of influencers. And I'm like very open about the fact that I was one of those people because when I see those people today, like I know where they're coming from. Um, And I was like, I can't believe people get paid like to do this. And like, this is people's career and like, Mm. wow, they have it so easy. Um, 
And the way it happened was when I first started university, one of my really good friends, he was starting off his photography business and he was a student as well, or he is a student. Well, he was a student at that time, but um, now he also works in tech, which is ironic and still does photography. Um, But he asked me like, hey, I'm starting my own website and I need some pictures to put on there. Do you want to go take pictures? And I was so insecure about how I looked. I was not confident at all at that time. But I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I don't know why you're asking me, but sure, I'll take them. And over time, I just started doing photo shoots with him. And that led to me doing photo shoots with other students who are photographers. And the next thing I know, I'm doing photo shoots with, like, actual photographers. And the next thing I know, like, brands are reaching out to me and saying, hey, we don't, like want you to just take pictures with us we want you to actually work with us and do xyz marketing work because a lot of them knew I was a marketing student and I had a marketing internship and industry experience so Mm -hmm. I don't really consider myself a model like yes I've done a lot of modeling as part of partnerships that I've done but I don't consider myself like a signed model or model Mm -hmm. um I definitely consider myself someone who is like an overall creative and content strategist um and yeah, I, I mean, it's it's crazy because as I got more into content creation, I realized it's so much more than just showing up somewhere and getting pictures of yourself taken, right? And yeah. even if you're in modeling, that is so, there is so much thinking and work and like time that goes into it, right? From thinking about a concept, right? Like what is the concept going to be? Yeah. And then styling the wardrobe to doing hair and to makeup, to figuring out poses, to adding meaning to your poses. And from a photographer's perspective, like there's so much that goes into actually taking the picture, planning and brainstorming the session, editing the images, making sure that the companies you're working with are happy. Does it align with their brand and their brand voice and values um is there a specific color palette right like fonts like even the smallest things like in the whole branding experience is so important and even when I work with companies for example some one of the things I do is web design or like web development and for that you need to use like css which is actually a coding language and with my background I actually know how to do that right so it's kind of crazy how my content creation role and my role in tech actually have a lot of intersection with each other. Like they actually overlap in many ways. And it's kind of weird. And I didn't realize that. And I think it almost gives me an advantage. The fact that I have both of these experiences, like even when I work in my tech job, the -hmm. fact that I am a content creator helps me provide creative feedback and creative advice in like corporate conversations when I'm talking to my manager and like other senior leaders in the company. So I feel like they both are interconnected, which is super crazy, but it's awesome. And yeah, just to go back to your, to your initial question, I think what made me realize I want to pursue it is just the fact that I just had so much fun. Like some of my best memories in life have literally been, um, you know, when on phone calls with some of the companies I've worked with or in photo shoots or just picking out outfits or just like singing and dancing along when I'm getting ready or like, like, you know, those small moments or like the people I've met just being so helpful and genuinely nice. Um, I think all of those things has like made me realize that I want to pursue it and that um, it's evolving so much by being a more diverse space. So I feel like as a South Asian woman, like there are more opportunities for me and hopefully there are many more in the future, uh, which is also like really motivated me to pursue this moving forward. Yeah, that, that's, that's absolutely amazing. I think you yourself seem like someone who is able to very well like put your input into things I think you put a lot of effort into things as well as someone who follows you um you do everything very very well I think I personally I I'm not going to lie to you I've in my mind I've sat down sometimes and I thought you know what I have so much work to do but if I was just like an influencer I would just have to make a post right now and I would have not have to worry about this you know I feel like we've all came across that thought and even if you haven't you probably have. Like, accepting it is hard, but we've all thought about that at least once. Yeah. And I think... No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And getting onto this, getting this podcast gave me kind of like a touch of how much effort it actually takes. Um, I personally have a, a color palette that's very close to my heart and something that I've never really seen before, which is just this, like, color palette of peach and, and like, it's very serene and very calm. And so... I'll often be looking at pictures and I'll go through a bunch of backgrounds and I'll be like, oh, this is too yellow. This is too orange. This is too this. This isn't this enough. Like, this is too, you know, whatever. And so 
it, it's hard because you really want to make whatever you're doing perfect. I couldn't even imagine being a content creator and working with brands and, you know, having those specific niches. That's absolutely amazing and super admirable. So yeah, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's definitely not easy and I wouldn't say that I am where I want to be. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of failure. There's a lot of, um, crying. There is a lot of like challenges and moments and it seems very glamorized. Like when you go on someone's profile, you're like, wow, they have it all. Like they look so pretty. They have so many followers. Wow. Like they have this amazing job too. Like they're perfect. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. probably the first thing that comes to people's head, but there's a lot of shit that I deal with. Um, excuse my language on a uh, daily, daily basis, a weekly basis, a lot of judgment, Um, a lot of questioning, like there's so many times where I've considered like literally deleting my Instagram or like, like quitting my job. Like there's so many like things that I can like open up about and definitely get deeper on. But, um, you know, to your point, I think, um, I used to think just making a post was like, okay, I'm going to upload the post, but everything from like being intentional about the caption and having something that's captivating and valuable to like the editing of the picture to like the timing to like making sure it reaches a certain audience to like there's just so much thought that goes into it like I probably spend if I really calculate I probably I mean sometimes yes I spontaneously post things on my social media it's like I'm just like you know what I'm gonna do it I feel like it but for the most part I would say I spend at least three to four hours thinking through an, an Instagram post, for example, before I post it. And I don't think people know that, that I spend like that much time. Um, and if you calculate a week's worth of posts, like let's say I post three things a week, that's like 12 hours of my time. Like, I don't think people realize that right yeah. on top of my job. And sometimes I'm at, it's like 2am and I'm like thinking about like my Instagram post. Right. And obviously that's probably not the best for my mental health, but I think it's because it's, I love it so much. Right. Like yeah. sometimes I literally cannot sleep mm-hmm. unless I like finish working on a content creation thing I'm doing because I love it so much. I don't think of it as something stressful or like burdensome. Absolutely. And, you know, kind of connecting into that for our, um, you know, just for at least my perspective in this, I personally have to, I, I make edits for our graphics. And so when I have time to sit down and create those graphics, it's, it's something I can't stop doing, but I have to make it perfect. And, I I understand. That's totally something that I feel like a lot of people won't see. And I personally have gained a lot of respect for content creators and influencers since I've started my podcast. Um, And I've not even had like 5% of what you guys have had. So yeah. But kind of connecting into your uh, perspective about, you know, how it affects your mental health and things along those lines. I think a lot of kids in university who would want to do something like you're doing would be struggling right now. So do, do you have any tips for someone who's a university student looking to pursue a career in digital content creation? Yeah, I would say that you, anyone can be a digital like content creator. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you have to be a specific major or be a specific race, or be um, a specific gender, or from a specific place. Like you don't have to be from LA, or you don't have to be a marketing major. These are common stereotypes of what people think. Like people think you need to be like rich and have a lot of money to spend on these clothes and things initially to like actually make it big, and that's not true at all. Like I'm someone who, even till today, has a very tight budget. Like I don't just spend and splurge. You know, even when it comes to content creation. Um, and even as a university student, like, yes, being a marketing major helped, but I know people who were philosophy majors, architecture majors, engineers, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like different majors who are all content creators now. And some people do it part-time. Some people do it full-time. I would say my advice for university students, I guess I have a couple pieces of advice. First is think about what aspect of content creation you really like. Like, do you enjoy the strategy side of it? Do you enjoy like the execution, like actually do creating, like taking pictures, for example, or recording videos? Do you mm-hmm. enjoy like, like what about content creation do you enjoy and do you feel like aligns with your strengths? The second piece of feedback, or I guess tip that I would give university students is definitely, um, have a backup plan or think of something else that you would also be okay pursuing because it's definitely hard to monetize and make money off of content creating, especially when you start off, right? Because there's so many people doing it. And because, um, 
it's just very competitive and there isn't like a specific major called content creation, right? Because anyone can do it. It sometimes makes it more challenging because you don't know exactly what people are looking for. Um, and so I think it's always nice to kind of have like, I don't know if I would call it plan B, but also have another area that you're okay going into. Like in my example, right? Like I have my eight to five and this is something I do part-time. Why do I do it part-time? Because I genuinely love my eight to five job. Like I love my actual job. I'm not doing it just because I, I need the money. Like I actually love it. But on top of that, it is definitely stable. It's more stable than my content creation role. And I am not like a macro influencer who has like millions of followers who, you know, is a celebrity or yeah. at that point where I can give up my, um, like eight to five job, right? Like I'm not at that point yet. And I don't know if I will get to it and I don't care. That's not my goal. I'm just doing this cause I love it and it's fun. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think for university students, like don't think you necessarily that you can graduate college and just become a content creator full time. Like a lot of people do it and that's props to them, but it's very difficult. So I think figuring out how you can add that part time to something else you're doing and then eventually grow that monetize it. Mm -hmm. engage with your audience I think is important mm -hmm. um and the final tip that I have is when it comes to content creation I think people generally think of content creation as like oh you have to take like really professional pictures or you know do like create like a social media post or like there's certain I guess misconceptions that people have about content creation mm -hmm. content creation can literally be like making a meme and posting it or mm -hmm. dancing in your bathroom and posting it like I mean I'm sure you've seen all of the things that are trending on TikTok now mm -hmm. and even from the beginning on TikTok and like that's content creation like you know all of the social media platforms no matter how crazy the content you see i literally saw someone flipping a pancake in a video the other day like that was the entire video it was 30 seconds of someone flipping a pancake and it had over like 300,000 views um mm -hmm. and like all of these comments was blowing up because mm -hmm. something that's trending now is asmr and people are really yeah. into that right so that's content creation like that video was still co considered content creation so what i'm trying to say is like figure out like what your niches within content creation and also realize that like there isn't a magic formula. Like I think people say like, Oh, if yeah. you post this many um, stories or you do this, you're going to get engagement and you're going to like blow up. And like, that's not true. I've tried everything and a lot of things have failed and I just came up with my own formula, but it's not even a formula. I just test different things every week and, you know, see what resonates with my audience and see what I enjoy the most actually creating. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. I, I personally feel like I'm not an influencer at all, obviously, but I feel like with the podcast, I've definitely tried different things to create engagement and there's definitely been some not so successful things and there's been some things that have been on the better side. So I feel like being a content creator must, must include a lot of ups and downs and I would just say that I feel like a lot of people expect posting a certain amount to just blow you up, but that's not exactly how it is. I feel like, uh, and I think I've heard that from a lot of different people in different social media platforms who've definitely tried to grow their platform. So I think that's a gr I think that's great advice. Honestly, I feel like if uh -huh. I were to pursue a, a career in content creation, it would definitely have to be part time because I I'm not sure if that would be something that I could pursue full time and if that was practical. So yeah, and the other thing I was gonna say is I think people think like you're a content creator influencer if you just post pretty pictures on social media. I think there's so much more to that. Um, I think it's about the message and the values and like, what is your purpose? Like, why are you doing what you do? Right? Like for me, I'm an advocate for certain things and I'm like really trying to make a difference and really trying to like drill certain things into the head of different brands and like mm -hmm. make them realize like, this is completely something that needs to change or like, you know, I'm going to speak up about this cause that I'm passionate about. Right. I think that's when you become an influencer if you're influencing certain behaviors or you are creating something that's making an impact, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, don't get me wrong. It's, it's, I love it when I see pretty picture collages on people's Instagrams. Like my Instagram, for example, I definitely try to be aesthetic and like work with a certain color palette and all of that, which I'm sure you may have noticed if you look through my Instagram. Yeah. But that's not my purpose. Like if that wasn't there, I would be a little bit like annoyed, but I don't think that's like my initial goal, right? Like my yeah. goal is more so like producing quality content yep. that's actually meaningful and digestible that people are like, oh, wow, like I'm going to use this tomorrow or like, oh, cool. I never thought about this like that. Like, thanks for, you know, bringing this to my attention. So I think those are, to me, that's more important than 
yeah. necessarily just posting things that are pretty for the sake of posting it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if that's what makes you feel good, you know, go for it. If that's what helps your mental health, go for it. Mm-hmm. But as far as being called an influencer or a content creator, I think there's more than just like posting pretty pictures or videos. Very relatable. Uh, it's very relatable, especially to the podcast as well. And, you know, I know you were talking about how social media tends to like dictate your mental health based off who you are. So kind of segueing into our next question, how do you deal with those pressures of social media and has social media ever affected you in your mental health? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the quick answer is yes, 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 absolutely. Yes. Um, there are a lot of pressures when it comes to social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say a few tactical things that I do is I unplug from social media at least one day a week. So at least one day a week, I literally delete the apps on my phone or like put my phone away or like lock the app. And like, I don't check any social media, whether it's Clubhouse, TikTok, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, WhatsApp, GroupMe, I'm trying to name all the other ones, Snapchat, like all the ones I have, like I literally do not check it at least one day a week, if not more. I try to go like a whole weekend, for example, but obviously like, you know, sometimes I'm posting or sometimes the weekends are the only time I have like a break from my full-time job where I can focus on social media. But I would say the first thing is making sure you take time to breaks The second thing that I do to deal with the pressure of social media is I lean on my really, really close support system. So I have a really close support system of friends, um, honestly, except for one other person in that friend group. No one else really has an active social media account. In fact, two of them don't even have any social medias except Facebook, and they haven't posted in Facebook for like three years, Um, and they know nothing about it. And I love being friends with them because sometimes when you're constantly talking to other influencers or content creators about social media, that's all you're talking about, and you're just – it's nice to have that support system too, Mm -hmm. but it's also nice to have like, you know – other support where you're like talking about other things in life and like your life doesn't become social media. I think when your life becomes social media, that's when you feel more pressure Mm -hmm. or that's when you feel like you have to post every day or it gets really in your head and you become like almost obsessed with it. And I've been through that phase before. So I think like, um, the second tip is definitely to have a support system that isn't just social media driven or focused, whether it's family, friends, whether it's like, um, a therapist, right? Like I think anyone, like I've been to a therapist before, right? Like anyone I think, um, who isn't like closely involved in social media is important. My third tip on how to deal with pressure of social media is definitely, um, making sure that you have a very clear purpose of your social media account. Because I think when you get pressurized, you can feel like you need to post a certain amount of times a week, or you need to post a certain way, or, oh, you need to make yourself look skinnier in this picture, or you need to edit your picture. And like that, why do those thoughts come into people's head? Because of pressure, right? Because of society's pressures and standards. So I think the way to do that is just to be very clear. Like, this is what I'm going to post. I'm not going to let anyone you know, tell me what to do. I'm going to post it. And like, it takes a lot of mental strength and courage to do that. But I think that's the way I deal with pressure is like, by not necessarily not listening to people's unsolicited feedback about how I should be posting, because at the end of the day, it's my brand, it's my social media, and I should be able to do whatever I want without feeling bullied or pressured to like post a certain way. Mm -hmm. And has social uh, media ever affected my mental health? Yes, to that question as well. Um, It's kind of unfortunate, but as I've grown my following across platforms, especially on Instagram, where I have over 22K followers, which is kind of crazy that there are 22,000 like individual humans on this planet that like see pictures of me and know stuff about me. It kind of scares me when I phrase it like that and think about it like that. But like it's affecting my mental health because as much as um, social media comes with like engagement and like this glamour side, I get a lot of hate comments. I get a lot of judgment. I get a lot of creepy messages from people. Mm -hmm. I've gotten people threatening me, threatening my family, threatening my friends before. Um, I have had my safety and security jeopardized before on social media, which of course affects my mental health because it makes me scared. Like, oh my God, should I still be doing this? Should I just delete my social media or should I, like, how do I block? It's one thing if it's just one person, right? And you can block them, but then to go block 
many people on a weekly basis is like kind of annoying, right? And the thing is, these aren't even people I know. And so it sometimes makes that even scarier because it's like I could be at a public place, like a grocery store, and someone can find me. Or if I post on my story that I'm at a certain place, who knows that someone's not going to show up there. And I think my security... I have sometimes felt like has been threatened um, and that has affected my mental health. And I also think sometimes when people are posting all the time, like I'll be on social media at 2 a.m. and someone makes a post and like maybe they're located in a different country or something. It just makes me feel like, oh my God, I'm not doing enough. And I think that feeling of not doing enough and like, oh my God, like I can't post three days a week. I need to post every day, right? Like saying things like that has also really affected my mental health. So yeah, I would say those are the two biggest things. And, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that I have, you know, worked with social media companies and actually worked with their support teams to let them know about this, but there's only so much they can do, unfortunately, because when you become a quote unquote public figure, you are signing up to put your public information out there and you're almost signing up for, the the cons that come with it. So as much as there's pros of being a content creator, there's a lot of cons that people don't know about. Like I only talk about cons to my really close friends. And I guess now I'm talking about it on this podcast and I've talked about it on a couple of other podcasts and books and like specific forums, but a lot of people don't know about it. And I, I think like, I want people to know more about how there is a lot of hate and like nastiness that comes with like this career beyond just like, it looking so glamorous and like so easy and perfect. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely something that I haven't even thought about. And I'm so sorry about all those cons. So it's all good. It um, happens. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so glad that you have a nice, you know, circle around you that keeps you uplifted and, you know, keeps you happy. Um, and I, I'm, I hope that, you know, that, that makes up for those negative, negative things. I'm, yeah. But I think kind of segueing into our next question, we kind of already touched on how you balance out your full-time corporate career in technology while being a digital content creator. But specifically, has there been any backlash or unanticipated comments from family or friends or just the South Asian community in general? Yeah, it's a really good question. I would definitely say Yes, especially initially. I wouldn't say so much now um, because I have been growing as a content creator, Mm -hmm. working with bigger brands. Like it's becoming more stable. But Mm -hmm. initially, there was a lot of comments of like, why are you doing this? Like, Mm -hmm. this isn't even your main job. Like, you really think you're going to make it? Like, it's going to get so political. Um, I think automatically, a lot of the immigrant culture mentality or like South Asian culture mentality is content creation equals lack of stability. Like if you pursue content creation, you are not in a stable career and you are not going to be paid a lot and you are not going to make it and no one's going to respect you. And there's all these things that are put into your head. Um, as I, I personally feel like, um, in the South Asian community or culture, um, as a result of like pursuing content creation. So, you know, I definitely got comments from my family being like, you know, we really don't support this. We don't think you should do this, or we are not going to fund this, or we're not going to accept this. Or Mm -hmm. we think that this is something you should quit in like five years, like just do it for a little bit. It's not going to be a long-term thing. Like we don't think it's good for you. It's good for your health Mm -hmm. from friends. I've heard friends, you know, just make comments and jokes friends, I say in quotes, um, yeah, more, so acquaintances, say. more so acquaintances say things like, oh, like, haha, you think you're an influencer now? Like, do you want to take a picture of everything? Or like, haha, you think you're so cool? Or like, mm. do you even actually like work at your full-time job because you do this? And like, how do you even balance bills? Like, it's impossible to, and like, just like, you know, subtle comments that are not very supportive or like, oh, like, you know, are you like, you know, doing this to be popular or to get attention from boys? Like, is that why you're doing this? Like, no, oh I'm not doing this for goodness. that, right? Like, that's if cool. that's what that was my goal, mm. I would have taken a whole different route with my content. <laughs> but as much as I joke about that, um, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of backlash, but I would say that, like, as I've kind of proven myself in the space um, and just not giving a shit about what other people think, um, it's actually made those people come back and support me. So the same people who didn't support me, like, a year or two years ago have, like, now come come back and and really support me (laughs) all right well that's that's a that's a good thing and yeah yeah I mean the South Asian community as intimidating as it sounds it it, it, I think it definitely 
does grow and evolve with time, even on an individual level, I think I've noticed that too. And, you know, the different influencers I've talked to have told me similar things as well. So everyone listening in, just keep that in mind, you know, they'll come around. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So kind of moving on to what you have planned for the near future. Is there a certain goal that you plan to focus on in the next year as it relates to the types of content you plan to curate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So something that is a huge goal of mine for this next year is to launch my own brand um, and my own business. Um, So stay tuned for that. I can't share much, but it will be launching in the next few months. Um, As part of that, one of the goals from a content perspective that I would like to do is talk more about um, just discrimination and um, like being underrepresented and, um, you know, whatever else relates to that topic, as I mentioned before, in the corporate space and content creation space. So mm-hmm. I want to be more vocal about sharing, you know, my experience being in like boardrooms as the only non-white male in the room or being in a content creation um like discussion with a brand and them showing me all their models and past work. And all of them are like skinny. Um, you know, a lot of them are facing anorexia, white girls, right. And me not seeing myself in any of these spaces. So I think my, um, goal is to focus on self-care, self-love, and also to focus on the empowerment of underrepresented minority women in the corporate workplace, especially as an early career professional. Um, Because the other thing I've noticed is, yes, there are women in C-suite positions in a lot of these companies, but a lot of these women are over the age of 50 or 60 and are all white women. So I want to do something to change that. And I think there is a lot, long way that we have come in the past five years, like compared to when I grew up to now yeah. but there's so much more to go so yeah my, my I want my content to be more meaningful and I want mm-hmm. to focus on specific niches I know I mentioned like three niches before mm-hmm. I want to really double click into one of them and like really really focus on that and like be known as a creator that is an advocate for that specific niche and like I of course I'm going to still talk about the other niches yeah. and produce content but that's going to be my main like specialty or area of focus Yeah, that's amazing. I'm so excited. Oh my goodness. Everyone stay tuned. (laughs) That's so exciting. (laughs) Yes, public service announcement. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. I'm I'm so excited for you. And I hope everything goes so well. And you know, I think it's much needed. So I'm very excited for you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, So you know, we were already talking about uh, a few misconceptions people have about influencers and content creators. But is there any other misconceptions that you haven't really mentioned yet that you'd want to bring more awareness to? I mean, I think the biggest things, there's two things that come to mind. I think I touched upon them a little bit earlier. One is the idea of what it means to be beautiful. I think people think that influencers, bloggers, content creators have to look a certain way, right? Have to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize that influencers, bloggers, or content creators are human, right? And like literally probably the same as in terms of demographics um, or psychographics as your audience. Um, so the first thing I'd like to do is bring more awareness around um, body image, for instance, um, and this idea of perfection and how that really shouldn't exist or doesn't exist. Because as cliche as it sounds, like no one is perfect. Um, the second misconception is the fact that as an influencer, blogger, and content creator, um, you know, what you're doing is just standing around and taking pretty pictures and there's minimal effort required. I think people don't understand that the effort it takes to being a content creator is probably the same, but a different type of effort as like being a software engineer at like, um, a VC like startup, right? Like, I don't think people realize that like coding for instance, can be the same amount of effort as creating like a customer relationship management tool as a content creator. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's both equally something that you need skills for and need talent for. And so I think shining more light on the talent and skills that are necessary for the content creation space, I think is, is very important. And yeah, those are the two things I, I specifically hope to bring awareness to. Yeah. I hope everyone listening in is like, learning from this because I am (laughs) (laughs) take notes (laughs) I'm just kidding (laughs) I mean yeah it's great I I 
I didn't even know those specifics, you know. I just knew that it was a lot more work than what I thought it was and previously before I even started my podcast, but this is this is great to know and you know yeah, my my Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. You're you're so admirable in, in all those aspects. So um, Thank you. So, yeah, of course. Um, so before we end off today's podcast, do you have any last minute advice for our listeners before we head off? I would say the three pieces of advice that I have um, for the listeners, no matter whether you're a content creator or not, no matter whether you are in middle school or whether you are in your mid 40s and you are a mom of three, like no matter who you are, the first would be to figure out like what your purpose is, right? I asked this question to my audience a couple weeks ago and I loved the responses I got because it was so helpful to me to determine what kind of content I want to push out. I basically sent a poll asking like, do you consider me to be educational, entertaining, inspirational, or aspirational? Those were the four options. And so a lot of people said that they think of me as inspirational or entertaining. And I was so surprised to say, see that people think of me as entertaining. Cause I don't see myself as someone funny. I don't see myself as someone entertaining. Right. So when they told me that I was like, Oh wow. Like that actually put a different perspective in my head. And now I'm going to be more intentional about that like component of entertainment when I push out content or do whatever I do. So one is my first piece of advice is to lead with purpose and to really understand like your audience and have a purpose my second piece of advice is to just like do it now. Like I know it sounds so cliche, but if there's anything you've been wanting to do, start a podcast, start a blog, <laughs> write a book, travel somewhere, obviously taking COVID precautions, but anything you want to do, do it now because I feel like when you say you're going to do it later, it's never going to happen. And also I feel like given the pandemic and quarantine for me, at least it's been a blessing in disguise because I've almost had more time and more time to self-reflect, to connect with people online, to realize who my true friends are, to spend more time with my family. These are some things that have come out of the pandemic for me that have been amazing. And so do it now. The third piece of advice that I have is to, as I mentioned earlier in one of the questions, like don't worry about what other people think, right? I think that especially as a student, when you're interviewing, for example, um, or just anyone interviewing for jobs, it's so easy to try to fit the job description and the responsibilities and to put so much pressure on yourself and care about like, what did the interviewer think? Or what do my friends think? Or what does my professor think? Even when you're taking an exam, right? And you get your grade back. Um, it's all about like, what do they think of my answers or my responses? Like we are constantly in a society of judgment, whether you're in the South Asian community or not, we're in a society of judgment. And so my biggest advice is like, take in what you want to take in, but know what to, know how to filter out the hate and the pressure and like the unsolicited advice, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm not saying ignore everyone and ignore everything because that is not what got me to where I am today, Mm -hmm. but know like what is important to hear and incorporate and know what's important to leave out. So yeah, that would be my, you know, overall advice on all of this. Um, advice to my listeners. And I just had such a great time, like sharing my journey, talking about myself. And, you know, at the end of the day, the reason I do what I do and what keeps me going and like, is the cause of why I wake up every day is because of all the support that I get. Right. Like even in times where I have like a shitty day at work or, um, when I, cause I've applied to a lot of opportunities to work with brands and I've gotten like rejected for example, but like that doesn't really bother me as much anymore because I know there's so many people out there who are so supportive, who mm-hmm. tell me like, Hey, Shweta, we use the tips that you wrote about, or, um, you know, we checked out this brand that really had an impact on your life or like this advice you gave me, like got me into my dream law school or, um, you know, like I got into a relationship with this, per- like I married this person because of some advice you gave, like literally the randomest messages I've gotten on Instagram. Yeah. And sometimes I didn't even realize I was helping that person. Mm-hmm. Um, like those are the messages like that, like even one message with 10,000 hate comments, like one nice message that I get, even if I get 10,000 hate comments, like goes such a long way. Um, and like keeps me going and keeps me happy and motivated. So yeah, yeah, that's all I have to say, but thank you so much for having me on here. And it's been such a pleasure chatting with you, getting to know you and, and sharing my journey. 
Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. This was so fun. You know, the same thing with the feedback, like all the feedback that I hear from you guys, our listeners, you know, makes my day. It's it's honestly so amazing to hear back from you guys. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I really enjoyed talking to you. So thank you so much for coming on again. Of course, of course. Happy to chat anytime. And um, just uh, not to plug myself, but definitely check out my Instagram. Say. It's <laughs> at sweeter than sugar, like sweet a van and then sugar. Um, as I mentioned, I have a boba Instagram, which I'm currently rebranding. Um, and stay tuned for the launch of my brand, um, which will entail my blog as well as my business mm-hmm. that I'm launching. Um, I'm super excited for that. And I hope you all follow me on my journey and are able to engage with me through that. But in general, if anyone has questions, like feel free to DM me, feel free to email me. Um, and I'm happy to chat further. Yeah. I was just going to say, please, um, everyone go follow her on Instagram. Her content's so good. I love it. And I hope you all have an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening in. Go drink water and go have food like every single episode. And I will see you guys next week. Bye guys.